Welcome to the Real Estate Syndication Spotlight. I'm Annie Dickerson. And I'm Julie Lamb. Together, we're the founders of Good Egg Investments and creators of the Real Estate Accelerator. We help real estate investors and syndicators build their brands, find the right investors for their deals, and scale their businesses so they can do more and bigger deals. We believe that everyone has the power to make an impact through raising capital and helping people achieve financial freedom through real estate. We invite you to join the Real Estate Syndication Spotlight Facebook group so we can amplify our impact together. We know you're going to love this episode. And hey, be sure to stick around to the end of the show because we're going to reveal how you can be our next guest on one of the fastest growing real estate podcasts on the planet. Ready? Let's go. Welcome back, friends, to the Real Estate Syndication Spotlight Podcast. I'm your host, Annie Dickerson, and today I'm thrilled to introduce you to Kent Ritter of Hudson Investing. Kent, how are you today? I'm doing great, Annie. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, thrilled to pick your brain and learn more about your real estate investing journey. So start by telling our listeners what you do now and how you sort of got into the real estate uh, the real estate space in the first place sure so so what i do now is focus on acquiring um, mismanaged and undervalued properties throughout the midwest so we we really have a kind of a really niched down into a pretty specific market like 50 to 150 units kind of coming in un- under the larger players avoiding a lot of competition and and really, that's the same reason why we're in the Midwest. I mean, I live here in Indianapolis, but you know, the Midwest just just isn't as sexy as some other places, and so we're we're able to avoid, uh, you know, a lot of that a lot of that craziness. So you know, it's really a value play. That's what we focus on, and we focus on cash flow first investing. My philosophy is if if you have cash flow, uh, the appreciation will come. You know, it, it happens over time with real estate. So we focus on cash flow and. Uh, yeah, so that's what I do now. Uh, I started out of school as a, a management consultant. And so I was living in Chicago, flying all over the country, doing that. Did that for about 12 years. And um, from then about the last five years of that, from, from 2010 to 2015, uh, my some partners and I actually started our own consulting firm. And so we were running our own consulting firm in Chicago uh, we grew it to about 95 employees, about 30 million in revenue annually, and uh, decided in 2015 uh, it was time to exit. We got a fantastic offer, and uh, and so that was the right thing to do. So then that really is what kicked off my real estate career because you know, I had this capital from exiting the business, and I knew I didn't want to have all my eggs in one basket in the stock market, and but I didn't know where else to put it, right? So I started just... Just looking at alternative investments, started educating myself, listening to podcasts, all these things. And, and, and luckily, uh, I found kind of found real estate. Uh, real estate really checked all the boxes for me. It was uncorrelated to the stock market. It had better returns in the market, really. It had a cash flow component. Um, all, the, all the things that I was searching for. So you know, I started just 
pouring myself into, into education and started, started passively investing actually first. So in, in 2016, I passively invested in, in 10 deals uh, among a, a bunch of different sponsors and really saw that as an opportunity to kind of continue my education and to learn by getting behind the curtain and understanding how operators work and how syndications work and, and what this all means. Cause I just learned about it. And so from, from 16 to 19, that was really what I did. I, I went through two mentorship programs. I read every book and podcast and, and everything that I could digest. And then, uh, and I passively invested and I continued to passively invest. And then in 19, I, um, you know, I felt confident that I, I had gained enough knowledge. I knew what was going on. I understood the process and I'd met some great people through, uh, you know, going to 10, 15 conferences a year. And so partnered on my first syndication and it was my first uh, time being on, on the active side, being on the, the GP side. So it was October of 19 and it, it's actually a milestone this week because we just sold that deal. 21 months later. So it's the first one to go full cycle. So really exciting. And, uh, and since then in 20, uh, completed three more syndications and then, um, another in 2021. And then we're just continuing to roll from here. Wow. That point to do three syndications in 2020, when the world was practically falling apart, that's no small feat. <laughs> well, it, and- it really was from like August to December. Because nobody yeah, nobody was okay. transacting yeah. before right? August. Yeah, nobody knew what the heck was going on. But okay, so you built this solid track record in business, in management consulting with some partners. That's amazing that you grew that business <laughs> from nothing to almost a hundred employees strong. That's incredible. And then yeah, it was so fun. yeah, I bet. I bet it must have been a wild ride. And so you sold that off. And here you are sitting with a pile of cash. And instead of saying, well, just spend the rest of my days on the beach, just relaxing and, you know, just chilling. Right. But you were like, no, you know what? I have some capital. I want to do something with it. And so I love that you started out as a passive investor first. That's such a great way to get your feet wet and really learn, like you said, the behind the scenes of how it all works. So I'm just curious, those 10 deals that you invested in 2016, I believe you said, mm-hmm. all home runs, I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, honestly, so, so I'll tell you. So, um, so those 10 deals, yeah, all have actually performed fantastic. I mean, the, you know, the market has been great, right? From 16 to now. Yeah, that's true. Um, mm-hmm. Those deals have all done well. You know, I actually, had I had two deals before that, which were kind of my first dip in the water. That I went out, I went out in fifteen and, and found some crowdfunding and uh, found some crowdfunding sites, and I invested. And one of those deals, um, the sponsor actually committed fraud, and and all the investors we lost all our money. And so that was one of my first experiences. So so those ten and sixteen went fantastic. That one before, uh-huh. not not so much, but you know it was uh, it was a very good lesson. You know, you, you learn most from your mistakes. And, and my big mistake was I didn't, I didn't vet anything. I didn't do any due diligence. I didn't know what to even do. Um, you know, I went out to a website and was scrolling through and I was like, oh, you know, uh, Houston apartments, Houston, yep. Houston seems like a good market. Let's invest and, uh, you know, and paid for it. So yeah, lessons. Yeah, for sure. It's all <laughs> tuition, right? But it's gotten right. you to where you are today. So you mentioned you focus on 50 to 150 unit 
um, apartment buildings, value add. Um, what mm-hmm. markets are you investing in? Uh, throughout the Midwest. So we, we have properties mm-hmm. in Indiana, Ohio, Kentucky right now. Mm, okay. And so with all the lessons that you've learned from investing in all those pass, all those deals passively, now that you're on the active side as a sponsor, mm-hmm. what are some lessons you've taken into being on the general partnership side? And how does your relate or your experience being on the passive side shape um, how you approach things as a general partner now? Yeah, I mean that's a really good question, and it's um, it, it really has shaped everything. As as I've now formed my own business, I mean, so many of the decisions I made on how I wanted to do things were formed by my experiences as a passive investor, and that was one of the reasons that I wanted to go out and I wanted to invest with multiple sponsors. I wanted to see different styles. I wanted to to kind of understand what I liked and what I didn't like. Right. And so, so some of the things that I really took away, the first was communication. I mean, communication is everything and, you know, it doesn't feel very good as an investor to, to give somebody 50 or a hundred thousand dollars and then not hear from them for six months. Right. You know, and I, and I ran into that more than one time. And, uh, and so taking that, that, understanding of what that feels like and not wanting my investors to go through that. I did, I put a premium on communication. You know, I, I try to send out monthly emails, just updating on the property, you know, at least letting folks just know what's going on. What have we accomplished? You know, what are our, what are the key metrics and how are they trending? I try to stick to like the same three key metrics so that they can see a trend over time. Um, but just let, just let folks know what's going on. I mean, I believe like when I was a management consultant, I spent a lot of time in airports because I traveled every week. And like you see the best and worst of people in airports. And like I, I would notice, you know, sometimes they would they would delay a flight or cancel a flight, right? And, and people would be okay. They'd be like, all right, you know. Other times they'd do it and people would just freak out, right? Like people are at the counter yelling, they're just going nuts. And so being the consultant that I was, like I was like, so what is it that that's the difference? Like, what's the difference in the process? And as I started to pay more attention, it really comes down to communication. And it's like if if they were proactively communicating, telling people what was going on, telling people what they were doing, most people were reasonable and like and like dealt with it, you know? It, it was the delays where we sat there for an hour and a half and didn't hear anything that the people started to really freak out, right? So, so it's just, you know, case in point, I think everything, like everything in life comes down to good communication. And so that's first. Um, the other thing I would say I took away is just, just another thing is how I just, I model the deal. So I try to keep my deal structures very simple. Um, you know, we do a preferred return and then we do a split above the preferred return. We don't do different waterfalls or IR hurdles or different things like that. Because again, like, like as an investor, I always want to be able to calculate what I should be receiving myself, you know, and, and there were deals that I was in where these complicated waterfalls and it was like, I can't even do the math to figure out what I'm supposed to get. So how do I know if I'm getting what I'm supposed to, right? Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's not a conversation that I want to have to get into with investors. I mean, I don't want to be ever be in a situation where somebody thinks that I owe them something different than, than what they've received, right? So it should just be very straightforward to figure it out. And so we keep things very simple. Yeah. So it sounds like honesty, integrity, transparency are really at the core of this business that you've built and really the values that you're trying to share with your, now your, your passive investors. 
I mean, that's kind of everything, isn't it? Like that's what it starts with. I mean, it, it all starts with like you want to do business with people that that are honest and have integrity, right? I mean, at the end of the day, I think that's the most important thing. I think that um you know, what one thing that I that I actually have on my website is uh, what are the top four things that you should look for in a sponsor before you invest with them? And, and, and I, I kind of did that from my own, uh, my own experiences, but also from my own podcast right around real estate. I took like the, I asked that question on every episode. I asked like, like, what's the one question you should ask a sponsor? And I took like the first 40 and kind of aggregated them all to what the top themes were. And really it was these four things. It was, you know, integrity was number one, right? Do they have integrity? Is it somebody that you can trust? The The second one is, was financial means. Like, like, does the sponsor have the financial means to like to, to support themselves outside of a deal? Like, cause the, the most dangerous thing in the world is a sponsor who, who needs the fees to pay, to eat and pay their mortgage, right? Because it, it's a, it's a misalignment of incentives, right? Because they're looking for the next deal, not necessarily the right deal, right? So, so a certain amount of financial means, I think, is critical to be in the business that we're in, and and take on these giant deals. Uh, the next one would be skin in the game, right? Like if somebody came to me and said, "Hey, I got this great investment. Like you should really invest in it." I'm not going to invest in it. Like you really should. Again, that's that, that's something I would never invest in, right? Um, so they got to have skin in the game. And, and the last one was really track record. And, and I think track record is a tricky thing because like everybody's got to get started somewhere, right? Like, like you can't have track record from day one. But to me, what was important when I talked to sponsors, what was if they have a real estate track record, great, but, but they've got to at least have like a business track record. So if they didn't have a real estate track record, um, if there's a track record in business or a track record of some success, like what you're trying to judge is that, is this the type of person that when things get hard, they're going to, they're going to persevere and get through it. Right. Like that's what really matters with track record. And so, um, I think those four things are, are really what's important and, um, things that, that I just try to model as, as we do our deals. Mm-hmm. Such key insights. So I want to dig into a little bit about the transition that you made from being a passive investor to an active investor, because we've talked to a lot of passive investors who are sort of at that point where they've invested in multiple deals. They sort of get it right. They're Mm -hmm. like, Oh, this is a cool, this is a cool opportunity. I've been talking to my friends and family about it. And they're like, you know what? I could probably raise a million dollars, right? Everybody's like, when they first start, they're like, Oh, no problem. I can raise millions. I've I've talked to like 10 different people, right? Um, so having made that transition, what would you say to somebody who's in that position, who's thinking about making that leap from the passive to active side, what advice would you give them? Man? Yeah, that that's a really good question. I think like, so for, first of all, I mean, you just, it's not something to go lightly into. I mean, you, you're, you're taking other people's money. I think you have a fiduciary responsibility to them. It's not something to do like to be a good syndicator. It's a lot of work, right? I mean, it's, I mean, to, to do it from beginning to end, like I do, it's a lot, you got to know a lot of different things. And I think it's not something that you can do unless you really love real estate and like you're really passionate about it. So if it's something that you're looking to do just because you think you can make a little extra money, 
the juice isn't, isn't worth the squeeze. Um, it's not, the risk reward isn't there. You got to really love it. You got to really love it. Um, that's one. The, the second is, and I'll tell you this from experience. I, I, my first time that I went out to raise money, I raised about half of, of what my goal was. And yep, so, same so here, I, almost I'm, exactly I, half. <laughs> yeah. I missed the mark. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and so self-reflection of like, why did I miss the mark? Well, because I didn't, I didn't put enough value on the fact that like, like you really have to change people's perception of who you are um, to get them to a place where they are comfortable, like giving you their hard earned money to invest, right? And, and and putting that trust in your hands. And so, I, I like I had a fair amount of business success, right? Like I had, I had run a company and exited a company, and so so I had a decent track record that people, you know, and people knew that. But but even to that point, they didn't see me as a real estate expert. I mean, they saw me as uh, their high school buddy who they played football with or their fraternity brother or their coworker or right. Uh, but that's a very different thing. Like you can be best friends with somebody and have beers all the time. That doesn't mean they're going to give you 50 grand. Uh, it's a, it's a very different thing. So, so I think my advice is if you want to raise money in six months, start now, you have to start now. You have to start warming up your audience, right? Your, your folks that you want to invest, even if they're friends and family, even if it's your, your grandma, your aunt or whoever, right? Because you've got to, you've got to show them and display to them that like, like you're an expert in this area. You understand it through and through. And, and you've got to really be able to, I, I think, portray that, that confidence and, and you've got to get them. It's even just as little as like getting them used to the idea. Like, uh, so when I, when I used to manage people, uh, I had a big team under me and, and I was, I was pretty successful at getting people promoted because I knew how to work the politics. And one of the things I would, I would, the advice I would give to people, which I think translates, which is why I'm going through this story is I would tell them that like, like you have to let the, the bosses know that, that you want to be promoted. And, and like, like, like some people took that and just ran in the office and said, I want to be promoted. And like, it's not the way to do it. But <laughs> yeah, so I had to be careful with my advice I learned. But, but what I mean by that is the partners had to view them in that role. They had to start getting used to them in that role thing. Oh, well, you know, could Annie be a manager? Maybe Annie could be a manager, you know? And, and so it, it was just a process of like, just, getting them used to that. It's the same thing with, with real estate to a certain extent or, or anything of like, you got to change their perception. You got to get them to say, Oh, maybe Kent doesn't know what he's talking about. You know, he's talking about it all the time. You know, he, he's doing this and now he's telling me about his investments. Like, like I think that like real estate really has to become like a part of your DNA. It has to become a part of, of you, you, you eat, think and breathe it. Right. And, and you got to do that six months ahead before when you, when you actually go and ask people for money. Such sage advice. And we've seen so many newer syndicators fall into that trap of, you know, because a lot of the mentorship programs, right, they focus on the acquisitions and the underwriting. So you do all this work, you get the, you finally get that deal under contract. And everybody thinks, well, if I just have the deal, the money will come. That's the biggest lie. It's, Mm -hmm. It's just the biggest lie. I mean, like, come on, like, 
the money is just going to fall out of the sky. Like if you're not talking to people, you're not going to get money from <laughs> yeah. anybody. Like right. it's just, it's just a matter of fact, but I hate, you're right. People say that all the time. I hear it all mm-hmm. the time. I see it all over social media. Like I, I think it's just to make it sound simpler than it is because then people will sign up for the program and they won't be scared off. But, but in, in reality you have to, this is the hardest, that it's the tug and pull of, You'll have a deal and you won't have the money or you got the money. You don't have the deal. Right? You got to put the deal and the money together at the mm-hmm. same time. So what that yeah. means is you're, you're out looking for deals and it's up and down, up and down, up and down. Right. And the whole time you got to be keeping your base of money warm. You got to keep them up here. Mm-hmm. So when you get a deal, yep. they're both there. Right. And it's like, exactly. it's, it's, you've just got to be able to manage both paths or you have to have a partner who mm-hmm. can, is like great at acquisitions and underwriting and you're the people person. Or vice versa, right? You've got to you've got to find that match, and a lot of people do that successfully. Partner, right, and 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 manage those different roles. I mean, that's the way to go about it too. Exactly. And so, Kent, you've built you've built a strong track record in business. Now you're building a strong real estate brand. Tell our listeners, you know, what's next for you? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, really, it's it's rinse and repeat at this point. So we, we have a strategy that I thoroughly believe in. I think that we are in the right place at the right time. I think that the Midwest is unnoticed. I think it's, it, they're flyover States, right there. So, you know, what I tell, what I, what I want to tell everybody out there, if you're an active syndicator is don't come here. There's, there's, there's no properties available. It's not worth <laughs> looking. Um, but, I, but I like it, but in all honesty though, like the Midwest has lagged behind other markets, like from a cap rate standpoint, right? So our, from a cap rate compression standpoint, so cap rates are 50 to hundred basis points higher. Um, I'm, I'm a value investor. There's relative value there, right? More cash flow focused. And I think that, that right now in an environment where there really is no fixed income option. Bonds don't produce anything, right? Your, your savings account don't produce anything. I think that the cash flow, cash flow first investments can, can replace that for a lot of people. And plus, Hey, there's, you actually have appreciation, you have tax savings, you have all the other things, right? But I think that where we're at and where we're operating is is just a, a really nice supplement for people and a way to diversify, um, and, and a way to, to focus on properties where, where you can come in at, at a relative value. And because of that, we're able to see still significant upside um, beyond what, what you're able to see in, in some of those other markets. Absolutely. And so Kent, I know that given your track record, given your experience, the story you've shared with us today, I know our listeners are going to want to follow up with you and learn more, whether they're on the passive side or the active side. So tell them what's the best place they can go to learn more about you and all that you're doing. Yeah, thanks, Annie. So uh, first of all, I'd say go to kentritter.com. That's my website. That's where you can get the, uh, the syndicator, the four things to look for in a syndicator that I talked about before. It's kind of my home base as my blog, my my podcast, uh, passive investor resources. There, there's a lot there to check out. So check that out. Next would be check out my podcast. It's it's Ritter on Real Estate. You can find it anywhere you listen to podcasts. And the tagline is passively invest like a pro because it's really about as a if you're a passive investor, like how do you make better investing decisions? And it's and so it's not as much like 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 origin stories. It's more like 
like, what are you looking for in a market? What are you looking for when you're underwriting? Like, like what are the pieces that you need to know and put together? So, so just a little bit of a different style. And, um, and yeah, and from there, I mean, if, if you want to reach out to me, you can find me on LinkedIn or Instagram or any of the social media, you can DM me and ha- happy to talk. And, uh, I mean, really, I love, I love talking real estate, so I can't get enough of it. So, so please reach out. You and me both just can't stop talking about real estate. (laughs) Perfect. Well, thank you so much for being here with us today, Kent. And to all of our listeners, be sure to follow up with Kent. We'll have his links in the show notes. And for all of our listeners, we'll see you on the next episode of the Real Estate Syndication Spotlight. Thanks, Annie. Thanks for listening to the Real Estate Syndication Spotlight. If you are a real estate investor or syndicator who would like to be on this podcast, please visit syndicationspotlight.com and please also join the Real Estate Syndication Spotlight Facebook group so we can connect with you and learn more about you. And if you got something out of this episode, we'd love it if you could subscribe to this show and give us a rating and review. We promise to read your feedback and take action to continue to make this show even better and more valuable for the real estate syndication community. My name is Annie Dickerson. And I'm Julie Lamb. Thanks for listening. And thank you for being a part of the real estate syndication spotlight community.